It's Monday. You know what that means. Time for more Cross Defense. Thanks for joining me. This is Cross Defense, the show where our aim is to excite the imagination, equip the mind, and comfort the soul, all with God's Word, with Scripture, with the Bible, with Holy Writ. Why? Well, good question. Because our old evil foe is a fierce enemy. Our only hope is Christ on the cross. I'm your host, Tyrell Bramwell, the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church in the Victorian village of Ferndale, California. It is great to be back with you today. Before we get started, let's make sure you all know how to get a hold of me. Questions, comments, and bits of brain-buzzing Bible brilliance can be shared with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. My handle is always at Tyrell Bramwell. Or if you prefer, email. You know, people do still use email today. You can use the contact form on my website, TyrellBramwell.com. I'd love to hear what's rattling around in your head. So go ahead and reach out to me. Can't wait to hear from you. All right, so what are we going to talk about today? I heard this, this great story, a COVID story that I want to share with you. You know, it's going to be a thing, COVID stories. Someday, decades from now, we're all going to be sitting around telling our tales of trials and triumphs, our war stories of how we ate way too much comfort food in the year 2020, and how it took all of 2021 and 2022 to shed the weight. Eh, I hope that's all we recall. I do know there's many already who have suffered great tragedy. I know there's many who will be telling horrible war stories in the future. But... Christ is our defense. We have been saved by baptism, by the preaching of the word, by the gospel, right? We have hope. We're going to talk about a Christian story I recently heard, which raises an interesting question. It raises the question of whether God's word is necessary for life. That's the big question. But it raises a question that I I want to kind of chase down today. The question of the authority of a pastor. The importance of a pastor, perhaps. You know, this is ordination season. Summertime is when the new crop of men come out of the seminaries. They're getting ordained for the, you know, into their church, installed for the first time in the church they'll serve. It's fitting, then, for that. But it's also important for us always to remember why we have pastors in the first place. What's the point of having a pastor? We're going to ask that question. Whether you who believe in Christ Jesus, the one who sent the apostles out into the world to baptize, teach, all and, and teach all that he commanded, whether you really do believe that the pastors he sent to you have authority, have some responsibility to you and to God. Isn't that an interesting question? I think it is, especially in America today, in, in part of the world I live in. You know, because whether we realize it or not, we live in a cultural climate that is saturated in the soup of secularism, and with that comes anti-clericalism. This idea that pastors have no business speaking to you about social, political, or even personal matters. They can stand in the pulpit and preach on Sunday, but beyond that, they should just go about their business and leave you to your own. It's kind of fitting to talk about this, so we're going to jump right into it. All right, this this COVID story goes like this. After the COVID lockdowns were lifted, I don't know where this happened, and not all lockdowns have been lifted, but when the church was getting back together in this particular place, doing what they're supposed to do, gathering in person to receive the sacrament, right, the way the Lord intended it to be, a, a particular pastor, this pastor 
called on an elderly member of the, of the congregation. It had been several weeks since, since, the, since the congregation had gathered together, and he hadn't yet seen this person. I'm sure he hadn't seen many people, so he was making calls. And after some small talk and pleasantries, which included the woman explaining that she missed being at church, that she lamented that she'd only been out of the house to go get groceries and run a few you know, necessary errands, quick ones. The woman then told the pastor that she had been to the doctor in the past week. and She assured him nothing was wrong. She was getting a checkup. But while she was there, she asked the doctor if it was safe for her, if it was okay to go back to church. The church was gathering. The lockdown had been lifted. And the doctor explained that, emphatically apparently, that it was not safe for the woman to go back to church, that she was in that at-risk demographic, and it was dangerous for her to congregate in the church. Well, the pastor apparently somehow displayed uh, audibly, right, on the phone, his concern over that statement, because the woman began to explain that she had all the reason in the world to trust her doctor. She was a good doctor. She had always taken care of the woman, and the woman believed she really truly was concerned about her, her health. She said something to the effect of, Pastor, if, if she says it's not safe, I believe her. And she added, I thank God for sending her to our area. It's a blessing to have such good doctors, you know. And also, you know, knowing her pastor, this woman had listened to his sermons for years, had been to his Bible studies for years, had, had prayed with him, had received his counsel throughout the years. She knew her pastor. And so she said, Pastor, I know you don't agree with, with my doctor, but I really do trust her. And now, here's, here's the interesting part of the story. What do you suppose the pastor said? He said something like, do you know who else God sent to our area? <laughs> and then he answered his own question. He sent your pastor, me. Don't you trust me? Do you think I'm not concerned about your health? I'm, I'm concerned about your well-being. It's a fascinating story, isn't it? And it, it gets us to the point that, that it raises that question of, of whether we, we trust our pastor and the authority he's been given by God. So let's take, take a look at that. And one, one thing pops out of the story from the story for me. And prior to going to the doctor, the woman wasn't coming to church. She had made that decision on her own prior to hearing it from the doctor. And we can presume it was out of a sense of, of fear and anxiety, right? Given COVID and everything. Fear of catching this disease. Is, it's a reality shared by many. Many people. And, and she is in that at-risk demographic. So we, we certainly, certainly respect the exercise of caution and care that was implemented. We respect her situation for sure. Don't let anyone mishear that. However, as you know for yourself, our actions, what we do, often betray us, don't they? She deemed it necessary to avoid church due to the coronavirus, but she was still willing to go to the grocery store and run a few necessary errands. I, mean, I fear this, this sort of thing is, is far too common in, in many and various ways across Christendom. 
and it has been for a long time, way before COVID was a, a household name. As a pastor, I know far too many people who, who put so many different things before the hearing of God's word. It doesn't have to be a necessity like buying groceries or running, running you know, time-sensitive errands. You name it, if we want to do it, we'll put it before the preaching of God's word as a rule. You know this to be true. Church is easily bumped from the place of priority in our lives, isn't it? It just so happens that yesterday was the eighth Sunday after Trinity, according to the one-year lectionary. And what I wanted to talk about with you today, this, this COVID story that I recently heard, lined up perfectly with my sermon preparation. The gospel for yesterday was Matthew seven fifteen to 23. And this is the text where Jesus says to beware of false prophets. And he says they come wolves in sheep's clothing, right? They come like wolves in sheep's clothing. The focus of the day was on the blessing we have been given in the preaching of God's word. Be, be on guard against false prophets and, and delight in the prophets the Lord has sent you, the, the good prophets, the pastors. We can talk about what it means to be a prophet in another episode, another show. Remind me, don't let me forget to do that. The blessing of the preaching office is before us on the eighth Sunday after Trinity. And while preparing my sermon, I was reminded of what Luther, Martin Luther, said when he preached on Matthew 7:15 in the year 1532. It reminded me that this reality that we wrestle with isn't a new problem. It, it, it isn't a, an American problem. It isn't a COVID-19-2020 problem. Christians, it would seem, have always been tempted to see the need of going to the grocery store. We see that as, as a necessity, excuse me, but not the necessity of coming to church to hear the preaching of God's word. Luther says, we are children of God and have salvation. But what's the story? People, young and old, throw it all to the wind and give their attention to do other things. Oh, they ask, what's there to eat? Nix on heaven. Give me rather flour for bread. Because we take such stance over against God's word, the result is that we're again back at the point, even now, where the enthusiasts and the sects, which the devil spawns, once again appear everywhere. Even in Luther's day, food for the belly, flour for bread, was more important than heaven, than hearing God's word. And what is it that we read in Philippians? For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, this temptation to avoid church among Christians causes Paul to want to cry. It brings him to the point of tears. He continues, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. <laughs> that is certainly worth weeping over. Their God is their belly and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. Philippians three eighteen and 19. So that popped out at me once I, when I heard this COVID story. Many Christians, despite being baptized and being in Christ, bearing Christ's name, live like the enemies of Christ, their God being their belly. Many of us 
are too afraid to leave the house to hear God's word preached, to receive the sacrament, which gives life to the hearer, right, to the receiver, but will venture out into the dangerous wasteland of Walmart or the local grocery store to, to buy food, the needs of our bellies. Now, which commandment are we dealing with? What sin are we Christians when we're tempted to, to, to act like this? What sin are we, we committing or being tempted to commit when we're willing to go to the grocery store but not to church? You can use the contact form over at TyrellBramwell.com to send me your answer or DM me, direct message me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or even LinkedIn. I forgot that one at the beginning of the show. Send me your answer and we'll confirm whether you're, you're right or wrong next week. I'll even give you a shout out on the air to those who are right. If you're wrong, don't worry. That'll stay between you and me. All right. I am a pastor. I got your back. I got your back. But send me your answer. Do a direct message. Don't post it on my uh, public feeds and that gives it away and everybody will know the answer. I mean, I hope everybody knows the answer anyway, but it would make this little homework assignment no fun. All right. All right. So what sin are we dealing with here? That's the question. Send me your answers. Something else grabbed my attention in this story. The part of the story that, that raises the question of whether or not Christians today really value the authority of their pastors. How can we ask that another way? Do you give credence, stock, weight to your pastor's counsel? Do you consider it on par with or even more pressing than the counsel you get from other authorities in your life? Someone like because of this example, your doctor. To get to an answer, we're going to take a look at what Scripture says and try to understand just what your pastor has been ordained by God to do in your life. What's his role in your life? Is it just that of a, a Sunday morning orator? A public speaker? Are we to hear his sermons in a way similar to, to how we read op-ed pieces in our favorite newspaper or website? The woman in our story gave a lot of weight to her doctor's counsel. She recognized that her doctor was well-trained in her field of study. And she had trust in her doctor's expert opinion. Was willing to put her life in her doctor's hands, right? I mean, that's really what's at stake. Is it safe for me to go to church? Or will I die from COVID-19 if I catch it, right? What if the doctor had said it was okay to go to church? We get the sense that she would have felt comfortable enough to come to church, right? Now, pastors are well-trained in their field of study, theology, pastoral care. We often only think it's the book learning stuff, right? The theological side of things. We forget that pastors are trained in pastoral care too. How to take God's word and actually apply it to your life. Pastors could be called experts. But is your pastor's counsel his opinion? Is it that or is it more than that? That's what we're dealing with here in this story. 
with this kind of idea. And I think it's far too commonplace. We see it all over the place today. Do you see it? Have you, have you committed this sin? If you have, repent, my friends. Don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself up. This is cross defense, right? We're learning to equip the mind. And I'm here to comfort you with the gospel. Comfort the soul, right? So don't feel bad. Just repent. Repent. You're baptized. Celebrate that Christ has died for you. Because we're all sinners. And we sin in many and various ways. And we need Christ crucified for the forgiveness of our sins. We're going to take a short break. And when we get back, we'll take a look at Scripture. Dive into the good book to get a better understanding on this topic, as well as review what we confess during an ordination and installation of a pastor. Perhaps you've been to one of those. If you haven't, well, maybe you've been to one recently. There's all kinds going on right now. It is ordination season. We'll get to the answer after this short break. Don't go away. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Welcome back. This is Cross Defense. I'm your host, Tyrell Bramwell, the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Ferndale, California. Now, before the break, we asked the question, is your pastor's counsel, what your pastor tells you, the instruction and correction that he gives you, is it his well-educated opinion as a trained professional in his particular field of study, or is it more than that? Remember, we're also dealing with the big question of the necessity of God's Word. Do we need, is it necessary to hear God's Word? It's kind of hanging around in the background, that question. Because we're focusing in on, on how He gives us His Word through His pastors. And our conversation today was sparked by the COVID-19 story I relayed before the break, the story of the woman who told her pastor that coming to church wasn't safe, that her doctor had said she shouldn't go because she was in that at-risk demographic. And God had sent her doctor to her area. Of course, we would confess that too, right? Uh, in that vocation that the doctor has, she is there to serve her neighbor, whether she reala realizes it or not. Who knows if she's a Christian? We don't know the particulars of the story. But the doctor said it wasn't safe for her. And so the woman was listening and not coming to church. Now, we're not really dealing with the doctor so much. We're not really even dealing with the woman so much. We're just using this story I heard as an impetus to talk about the authority of pastors in our lives, because it is ordination season, right? New pastors coming straight from the seminary are being ordained. It's fitting to have this conversation right now, and it's on my mind. So we're, uh, we're using this story to move this conversation forward. Now, to answer the immediate question, what your pastor teaches is certainly more than his opinion. 
At least it's supposed to be, according to God's word. Now, I'm a pastor, mind you, and, and maybe you have anti-clerical tendencies like many of us do or did. I know I did before I became a cleric. <laughs> we do live in America, after all. Secularism is on the rise. Everyone's saying, down with the man, and these sorts of things. And historically speaking, the clergy are part of the man. But don't take my opinion for it. We're going to go to the Bible. We're going to let God's word tell us what's happening. We're going to let God's word inform us and norm us, shape us, and give us our wisdom to move forward. Listen to 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5. That's chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, our opinion, but our sufficiency is from God, from his word. What your pastor says as a pastor is to come from God. And how does that work? Well, I just told you, God's word. Thankfully, God has spoken. He has given us his word. His word is what your pastor is to use to counsel you. He is to tell you what God says, not what he thinks, not what he wants, not his opinion. In this way, he speaks with authority, similar actually to how a doctor offers counsel to her patients. It's based on something more than opinion. There's information involved, data. Your pastor speaks what God has revealed to be true for you and for all, right? Now, I should say your pastor might offer his personal opinion in conversation with you. That, that could be true. That could happen. You both might at some point in your relationship, at some time, in church, you might end up at the coffee pot, both of you, putting your cups underneath that spout, ready to pull that little handle and let that brown liquid goodness flow into your styrofoam cup or whatever kind of cup you're using. You both might be there at the same time, and so you might have an opportunity to strike up a conversation with your pastor. And that conversation might be on something social, political, or even personal. And he can give you his opinion, not as a pastor, but as a person. He can tell you whether or not he likes your new haircut. Now, of course, you want to consider the source. <laughs> if your pastor doesn't himself doesn't have a good haircut, you might not want to listen to him. But he is a man. He has opinions. And in that moment of casual conversation, he could certainly express it. Or perhaps... An online scenario would be more fitting these days. You might be friends with your pastor on Facebook or on Instagram. You might follow him, right? You might see things that he posts. And by the way, you can follow me on all social media platforms, at least the big ones. Just look for at Tyrell Bramwell. That's the handle, at Tyrell Bramwell. Now, who knows why your pastor thinks Doctor Who is the best television ever made, but he's certainly allowed to have that opinion, even if it's a wrong one. And he can, sorry if I made some enemies just now. And he can share it in the appropriate time and place. And that's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about his official counsel. 
what he teaches from the pulpit and what he, what he speaks to you when he's giving you pastoral care, guiding you in the study of God's word, your understanding of scripture. All right, so that's what we're talking about. Let's back this up with some Bible verses that will help clarify for us just how we should receive our pastor's counsel. And then if upon reflecting on your previous thoughts and, and actions, you discover that you had been putting the words of others over and above your pastors, well, yeah, we're sinners. You'll be aware of your error, your ways. You'll be able to repent of, the, of your sin and rejoice in your forgiveness and in your newfound understanding and appreciation of the gift God has given you in the man he commanded to stand in his stead and teach you his word. All right, praise be to God. Now, we always want to take everything back to Scripture. So here, here's some Bible verses for you. They just so happen to be, just so you know, collected in, to keep with our theme today, in the Rite of Ordination, in the Lutheran Service Book Agenda, published by Concordia Publishing House. We could go to Scripture and we could flip through all the pages and find them there too. But for an easy collection, we have them in front of us. I pulled them from the Ordination Rite, okay? The first one is Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. <clears throat> Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Christ has all authority, and he uses it to send men out into the world to baptize and teach what he has commanded them. John 20, 21 to 23, we learn more about this. Jesus said to them, again, peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, here at St. Mark's, we have the custom of, of doing a brief catechism review after the, the divine service every Sunday. It's a bulletin insert with a snippet of catechism Q&A. We were on confession and absolution one week, and I asked, do you believe that my forgiveness is God's forgiveness? Right? A question straight out of the, the short form of individual confession that you can find in the small catechism, you can find it in the hymnal. And as I asked it, I, I saw a man shaking his head no. He wasn't yet a member, but he'd been coming to church quite often. And he was learning what it was to be Christian. And as I asked the question, he thought the nat natural answer, the right answer, the one I was looking for was no. This being completely honest, you could tell. It came as a shock to him to hear others in the pews around him saying resoundingly, yes. We then read from the catechism, which was printed on the insert. Confession has two parts. First, that we confess our sins. And second, that we receive absolution, that is forgiveness, from the pastor as from God himself. Not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. I remember when I first attended a Lutheran service, I was like the man shaking his head no. 
I was worse than him even. I thought to myself, I even said to my girlfriend, who does that pastor think he is? Forgiving me my sins. Where's that guy get off? Who died and made that guy the forgiver of my sins? The answer, of course. The answer, you know the answer. The answer is Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for my sins and for your sins, and he gave his sin-forgiving authority to the apostles, that is, to the church, from which he raises up pastors to, de to declare absolution over the afflicted, to comfort them with the gospel. Pastors have been given certain responsibilities by God. Luke 24, 46 and 47 says, Jesus said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and die, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Repentance preached in Christ's name. Well, to preach repentance, one has to preach the law, right? That for which, from which someone ha has to repent, needs to repent. And with that law, there comes forgiveness of sins. To preach the law and the gospel to actual people living in actual situations and contexts with certain temptations. A pastor needs to be well-trained and know how to deliver the goods, how to apply the law and the gospel so he, so he can help the person like a doctor, so he can administer medicine, the medicine of God's word to those who are sin-sick to you, me, and all of humanity, right? This is why we have pastors. And this is why we have personal pastors, people sent to us in the flesh who know our situation. That a man would absolve me of my sins was shocking only because I didn't know my Bible. I didn't know that he had been given authority by Christ to do that. I didn't know that that's exactly what he was supposed to be doing. Now, I'm not shocked by the forgiveness of sins anymore. Obviously, I'm a pastor. I'm thankful for it. I look forward to hearing those sweet words of absolution, being reassured of them. I thank God that I have the privilege to be able to speak those words for others. I'm also not shocked that the woman in our story took her doctor's words as authoritative, but didn't think to call her pastor and ask him what God's word had to say about whether she ought to go to church or not. That's not surprising either because of the world we live in today. And what was it, though, that the pastor asked the woman? So, so good, so quick-witted. Do you know that God sent your pastor to you, too? Well done, pastor. Do you not trust me to be concerned about your health? Oh, so many people forget that pastors care so much about them. Who knows the particulars of the story? Maybe the woman didn't trust her pastor. I mentioned anti-clericalism earlier. There are certainly some people in this world with substantial reasons not to trust pastors. Pastors are sinners, just like everybody else. And sometimes we sin greatly. Sometimes pastors do great damage to those who we're supposed to serve. We all know of horror stories, awful atrocities carried out by clergymen, vile deeds, things that break trust. There's also the reality, like Jesus mentioned in the gospel for yesterday, 
Matthew 7, 15 to 23, the reality of false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus calls them wolves in sheep's clothing, evil men who come as good men, dressed as righteous men to deceive God's people. They don't come with a sign hanging around their neck that says villain. No, they, they come with a collar around their neck that says one of God's sent men. They come in sheep's clothing, or in this case, shepherd's clothing, because you have to be one of the sheep to be a shepherd. As we read in 1 Timothy 4, 14 to 16, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, devote yourself to them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both you and your hearers. Basically, it boils down to this. Pastors need to be trustworthy. If Christians are going to seek wisdom from their pastor, they need to know they can trust him. Just like the woman could trust her doctor. That's what 1 Corinthians says anyway. This is how one should regard us pastors as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. But maybe there was something else that kept the woman from seeking her pastor's biblical counsel. We'll explore that right after the break. <laughs> You're listening to Cross Defense. We'll be right back. Don't go away. On this Tuesday, August 3rd, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, John and Janet Rao of St. Charles, Missouri, as they give thanks for the blessing of family. John and Janet made a gift to KFUO Radio in loving memory of John's mother, Hilda Sophia, on her birthday, and in celebration of her great-granddaughter, Elizabeth Sophia, who also has her birthday in August. Thank you, John and Janet Rao, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. the mic's hot that means we're back you're listening to cross defense it's my privilege to be your host i'm tyrell bramwell if you'd like to reach out to me with a comment a question a bit of brain buzzing bible brilliance or maybe you want to specifically answer the question i asked in the first segment of the show remember what that was i asked you to tell me what sin we're being tempted to commit when we see going to the grocery store is necessary for survival but forego coming to church in any case, if it's to answer that question and get a shout-out on the next show or regarding another topic, you can reach me via my contact form on my website at tyrellbramwell.com or you can uh, direct message me, DM me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. My handle is at Tyrell Bramwell. I look forward to hearing from you. Can't wait to see what you say. Okay, so we've been growing in our understanding that pastors are not just well-trained masters of theology. I mean, I mean, we are that. We are masters of theology, or actually, we have our master's degree, a master of divinity, quite literally, right? We are qualified to be ordained. You have to be qualified before you can be ordained into the ministry. It's a long training. But pastors are, are more than just well-trained professionals. 
They're stewards of the mysteries of God. They've been called and sent by God not to speak their own views to you, but to give you God's word. Listen to how the Apostle Paul phrased it for Pastor Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. That's 2 Timothy chapter 4. And pastors are able to do these things effectively, we learned, when they're found to be tr trustworthy. Right? When that trust is broken, it makes doing that job very hard. And that is the reality we live in, in this sinful world. As a pastor, I am going to have people I, I serve who have trust issues with pastors. Because we have a long history of having pastors in this world, which means we have a long history of having sinners serving in the office of the ministry in this world. Harm is done. Forgiveness needs to be sought. We live by grace. Before the break, I teased that maybe there was another reason people might resist their pastor's teaching, his reproving, rebuking, and exhorting. That reason, well, is simply stated, sin. Sin is not just carried out by the pastor. There is sin on the parishioner's side as well. So let's talk about that, right? We're, we're sinful. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. And in our sin, the old Adam within us doesn't want to hear God's word. We'd rather listen to anyone else's input over his. Christians who've learned God's word and who know it get lured into deceiving themselves. We, we pretty much know, because of our study of God's word, we pretty much know are inclined to figure out what our pastor is going to say if we ask him a given question. So we just don't. Kind of like a kid, right? My kids know what my answer is going to be on certain issues. And they can use generalities to figure out what my answer will probably be on other issues. And so if they don't want to hear that answer, kids figure out really quick, don't ask the question. We are Christians, after all. Uh, we are to be in God's Word. We know God's Word, and we can work in those same generalities to make conclusions. Our pastor speaks to us God's Word, and so what do we do? Knowing, for the most part, what he's going to tell us? Well, we try like the Dickens to avoid it. Sometimes we even go the extra mile, don't we? We want to do or, or think what it is that we want to do or think, and to quiet our screaming conscience that is, is screaming out that this is sinful and wrong, this is not right. We seek out other voices that will tell us what we want to hear, that will drown out our conscience, even voices of authority who will lend some semblance of, of credibility to our disposition, people who we respect for one reason or another. And maybe this is what the woman was doing in our, in our COVID story that started this conversation today. I, I don't know the particulars, but, but it happens all the time. I know I'm guilty of doing this. If I want to do something, I want to hear someone tell me that the thing I want to do is right and good, and I should do it. 
I want justification for my actions and my thoughts. We all do. We seek out the opinion of others, family, friends, even doctors, other authorities in our lives to tell us what we want to hear instead of talking to our pastor, instead of talking to the one person, the one person in our life we know for sure has been commanded by God not to speak his own personal opinion or to speak from another outside source, stream of information, not to speak from any bias, but to counsel us with nothing more or less than God's word. The blessed apostle warned Pastor Timothy about this too. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We talked a little bit about myths last week, didn't we? Fictions, legends, fairy tales, stories that are not true. Then he tells the young pastor, Paul, to Timothy, As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Do the work of a gospel speaker. Years ago, I read My Upmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. It's considered a classic work of Christian devotion, right? a classic Christian devotional. I think it's, I think it's on Concordia Theological Seminary's uh, pre-reading list for incoming students. That might have been why I read it. It, it. it was on there, I think, but I don't know if it still is. Somewhere in it, Chambers warns Christians to be careful when seeking advice from others, from their neighbors, even their close neighbors, friends, and family. Those we normally go to for advice, right? I don't remember exactly how it goes in the book, but the idea is that by inviting others to speak their voice, to, to voice their views, I should say, we give the devil words with which to work. The idea is kind of like Job, right? When Job's friends are giving him bad counsel. I don't know if that's what the devotion was on or not. I don't remember it that well. I just I know this idea stuck with me as quite profound and and as the very reason God ordains men and sends them to us to speak his word and his word alone into our ears for God's word drives the devil away. Now here's some more from Paul to Pastor Tim. <laughs> Pastor Timmy. Second Timothy chapter 3 verses 14 to 17. Continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and if profitable, and is, excuse me, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
we're asking the big question, sort of an overarching question in this whole episode, right? Is God's word necessary? That's been kind of hanging in the background. Do you need to come to church to be gathered around the pulpit where a called and sent man is preaching to you? One of God's men. And preaching not only not, not his own opinion, but the very word of God. Only the very word of God. Is God's word necessary? Yes, absolutely. No doubt about it. Jesus said it's the only thing that's necessary. There's one thing necessary. And it isn't food. It isn't found at the grocery store. Now you might think, well, water or food or air. None of that is necessary. You know what's necessary? The Word of God. The Word of God gives life. The Word of God will enable you to live forever. To avoid the second death, right? Eternal damnation. As Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's in uh, Matthew 4. Verse 4. This is why Christ sends men to serve his people in his name. Emphasis on in his name. He uses their mouths to speak his word for the great benefit of all who hear and believe. I think we get this, right? But that we sometimes subconsciously defy our own belief. I mean, don't you? Would you agree? Christians know that the most valuable treasure in all the earth is God's word. We get that. And, and with the right understanding of the office of the holy ministry, we love and appreciate our pastors, recognizing that they are sent to us by God to preach to us the word of God. At the beginning of the show, I said Christians make a bold and even countercultural confession. You do that every time you confess your sins to your pastor and receive his words of absolution. Certainly, you make this devil-defying confession every week when you come and listen to the words of a cleric submitting to his authority in the word over your life. And even now, as I say that, I'm sure, I'm sure there are people squirming a little bit. You heard the word submission and the word authority over you. Our culture despises the notion of someone uh, having uh, of, of submission to authority, right? At least of, of our own submission to someone else's authority. We love it when others submit to us, whether we have the authority over them or not. And isn't that the source of the tension we're feeling in this whole, this whole COVID culture? There are people in authority making decisions that we are to submit to. And we don't like it. We, we hate authority, and we hate submitting to it. But the Bible teaches that we are to submit to our authorities. That's a God-pleasing thing to do. When we seek our pastor's counsel and listen to him speak God's word into our lives, we're submitting to his authority as a teacher of God's word. This is what it says in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, 
for that would be of no advantage to you. At an ordination, that verse is read to the congregation. Then it's asked of the church, will you, church, the faithful, according to the church's public confession, and speaking for the whole church, will you receive your pastor as a servant of Christ and minister of the word and sacrament? And the people, the people confess they will. And then next, you hear this, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, your pastor has been called to be a pastor of your church. I ask you now in the presence of God, will you receive him, show him love, honor, and obedience in the Lord that you owe the shepherd and teacher placed over you by your Lord Jesus Christ, placed over you? And will you support him by your gifts and, and fervent prayer? If so, then say you will, and they say we will. Now, isn't that bold? What a countercultural confession. People willingly submitting to the authority of another. Doing it peacefully and with joy, not groaning about it, but seeking it out. Why? Because the pastor is accountable to God and is to serve us with nothing but God's word. You trust that your pastor has your best interest in mind, that he only wants to see you avoid sin and death and, and live forever with Christ, that he wants you to receive the only thing that is necessary in this life, God's word. Oh, such a good thing. What is a hard thing, right? We're sinners, and it doesn't help that we live among so many popularized heresies that constantly tell us that God doesn't use means to give us his grace and serve us in all things. Even devout Christians tended to spiritualize everything. Seeing their, their pastors speaking of the word of God as supportive a bonus, but not necessary to their life and well-being. The devil is a fiendish foe. This is why we need the cross of Christ. We need Jesus. We receive him through the word and sacrament, that which your pastor has been well-trained to distribute to you. Go and hear what he has to say. Ask your pastor for counsel. He will tell you what God would have you know. In all his words, he will bring you Jesus, your Savior, whose words fell the enemy and drive away the army of darkness. He will encourage you to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And he will say, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the judgment day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Hebrews 10, 23-26 And he will say, That sacrifice for sins is Christ crucified, your good doctor, whom the Father sent to you to truly care for you, your Lord and Savior who died for you because you sinned. Because you sin and want to avoid his word. Because you prefer the words of others over and against his. Jesus, who called a man to be your pastor and, and sent him to you. So you would be assured of the forgiveness that you have received. From the cross and through the means of grace, Christ established for your life and well-being. It's so good to be saved. Isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. 
All right, my friends, we're running out of time, which means we're going to have to leave our conversation right there. We'll pick up with something else next week. I'll be here at the same time and place, and hopefully, hopefully with some shout-outs from our community of theologians, 2 p.m. Central at 8.50 a.m. on the radio dial for all of our listeners in the St. Louis area, and on KFUO.org for everyone listening online. Just go to KFUO.org and click that big, obvious play button right there on the landing page to stream the show at 2 o'clock. Or, and this is convenient, you can listen whenever your schedule permits at kfuo.org. Look for the Cross Defense show there. There's a whole archive there as well. Or by downloading the Cross Defense podcast on your favorite podcast app. Video of the show also premieres on my YouTube channel at 2 p.m. Central. I'll be looking for your answers. This question, the question that we're dealing with, your homework is... When we're tempted to not see church, the hearing and study of God's word as more important than running errands or anything else in our life, what sin are we in danger of breaking? Send me your answers and any other comments or questions via my contact page at TyrellBramwell.com or direct message me on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. My handle is at Tyrell Bramwell. In the meantime, remember the reality of the situation. Our old evil foe is a fierce enemy. Our only hope is Christ on the cross. God bless you. Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.